You're listening to ZZ Talk, a father-son generational podcast where we talk about entertainment, culture, and a variety of other subjects from the perspectives of both Gen Z and Gen X. I'm Noah. I'm Greg. And this is ZZ Talk. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. So today we're coming back with uh, another episode reviewing Severance. This time we're doing episode two, and you might notice that the sound quality is a little bit different because I got my laptop back. Congratulations. Yes. Um, And I would like to address the Nope episode. Um, Apparently, the sound quality was very poor about halfway through the episode, and I was informed uh, very quickly by my co-host that I needed to take it down. So I wish that I could save that uh, sound quality, but... You know, for the time being, we just got to work with the equipment that we have. But overall, um, we did like Nope. Uh, it wasn't a huge success for us, but I think we both agreed that we should give it a rewatch at some point in time. And that's better than us. Yeah. And I'll just say this, that and Noah and I have not talked about this, and this is not a Jordan Peele episode. However, I did get to see Get Out, uh, which is his first film. And so oh. now I've seen all three and perhaps we can talk about that on a separate pod. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Well, cool. All right. I'm glad to know that you've seen that. Um, I also saw another movie the other night, but uh, we can talk about that later. What one was that? Well, I think I'm going to save that for my check it out. (laughs) Okay. All right. All right. So um, Severance episode two, this one is called Half Loop. And we're going to do non-spoilers first for those who are just interested in what we think and then go into spoilers for those who are actually actively watching the episodes as well. Um, this one was directed by Ben Stiller, who also directed the first one, which is pretty cool because, you know, you don't really see that much of Ben Stiller nowadays, but he was everywhere in the 2000s. And uh, he's quite a talented guy. Uh, I see him all the time when I'm watching the tennis tournaments like Wimbledon, Australia, uh, you know, US Open, all that kind of stuff. He pops up quite a bit there. Um, so he's kind of a man about town. Definitely one of those uh, big celebrities that's uh, a lot more than just Tropic Thunder or Night at the Museum. So pretty cool stuff. Very creative guy. So uh, episode two was definitely something that moved the plot line further along and allowed more of a window into the exploration of what's been going on in the series. And I would say that generally speaking, if you weren't grabbed by the first episode, and you gave episode two a chance, this is probably the point where you're going to decide whether you want to continue watching it or not. Would you agree with me on that? Uh, That's very interesting that you say that because as our listeners know, I saw the first episode twice and needed to see it a second time before I decided if I was all in. And having watched episode two, I would say if I hadn't had the, the repeat viewing, viewing of episode one, I probably would be out. Interesting. Um, I actually liked season or sorry, episode two better than episode one. I thought this one was a much better continuation. And I think it sort of gave you a little bit more detail and what can happen to the characters, especially if they come out of line. And it really works. It really works towards showing what the innies and the outies are doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll explain that later. But um, it, it definitely sort of I think in the first episode, you're getting the general synopsis of what might happen with a bit of a tease for more to come later. And in this episode, they really 
expanded upon those details about what happens in the workplace and what consequences um, might happen uh, to people if they fall out of line, which was pretty cool. Um, I think this TV series is something super unique so far. And I mentioned in the last podcast, but I do really like the set pieces and the design of it. It's very quirky, meticulous, and it reminds me of certain video games I've played or like a couple other movies that I've watched. Uh, There's definitely inspiration here, but what did you think, generally speaking, of the second episode? Yeah, I think in terms of the set pieces, it reminds me of an industrial park where I used to work while I was in college in one summer. And uh, just sort of the whole, I mean, it was not as um, empty as lumen industries appears to be mm-hmm. however it, it does sort of resonate with me because it there is a feeling to me as though i know this this environment spatially not not in terms of population yeah um, you know i i'm more interested in this show when it's inside lumen industries and less outside and of mm-hmm. course that's the 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 rub, right? Because what will ultimately happen is we will we will learn or begin to understand the relationship between the innies and the outies. And I'll just go ahead and say it then. The innies are, are your yourself, your persona when you're inside Lumen, mm-hmm. and the outies are your persona when you're outside. And remember, the outies don't know themselves as innies and vice versa. Yeah, it's it's kind of a crazy concept because sometimes you're kind of you've been given the rules somewhat, at least the basic premise. When you're inside work, you don't have memories of your outside, although you know that you have a life outside of it. But when you're outside, same deal, vice versa, right? But it's kind of interesting how you perceive that. Um, There were details in this episode um, where they were talking about sleep and recharging. And it felt like you had never left necessarily. And it's more of, well, if you believe that you got a good night's rest, maybe it'll recharge you. You'll be spry or... Do Audis sleep? Um, they do because they go to sleep and then they walk into work because they know they need to go into work. Um, so it's the Ennies. It's like, okay, so you leave work for the day, but as soon as you've left work, it's like you're right back. That's all your memory, right? So you are on the inside and you're working all day, but you have no perception of your outside life, even though you know you live it. But it's like once you think about when you leave at the end of the day and you walk out that exit door and then you see the outside and you're like, okay, this is kind of the line between my work life and my home life. The innies at work do not necessarily ever cross that line. Once they get to that line, everything repeats as a loop. It's like a cycle. So you're almost perpetually trapped within that cycle, even though you have the knowledge that you of your own free will and accord agreed to this. And I think that sounds like psychological torture. Yeah, I do too. Conceptually, this is an interesting um, idea because I think everybody or just about it, maybe not everybody, but a lot of people really, you know, as we all search for more work-life integration, Mm -hmm. uh, well, actually this whole concept prohibits work-life integration. Mm -hmm. And people who think that there is such a thing as work-life balance, I don't, I don't subscribe to that because I just think maybe in the kind of work that I do, there isn't work-life balance. So I've really subscribed to this notion of work-life integration. And because severance doesn't allow that, I just think it really makes, I mean, obviously this is a commentary on society, right? Mm -hmm. And 
Um, but as I said in last week's episode, I think it's um, the intent of severance. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure that's the point of this series is that we will discover that the intent uh, is not as successful. The outcome of the intent is not as successful as is intended. Yeah, certainly. And then I like how in the show it's kind of become a societal issue, a bit of a commentary on uh, ethics and being able to sort of be in control of your own, you know, autonomy, uh, of course. And I like how it slightly touches upon that. Um, I think in the first episode they mentioned, you know, (laughs) you made a decision that is unethical, morally, socially, scientifically, uh, ethically. He said something like that. Um, but also in the show, they mentioned that sometimes it's people do it for different reasons. Cause you might be thinking to yourself, well, why in the world? Why I was you- just going to ask the question, why in the world would you choose this? Right. But for some people, they truly don't want to have the idea that they have to go into work every day and remember it. Right. Some people would rather just feel like they want to be outside uh, although I don't know how this would work with a work from home option. That'd be crazy. Um, but <laughs> season two, <laughs> yeah, maybe season two, but um, ultimately I, I think the show does a good job of sort of making you realize that even though let's just admit it, not everybody wants to work their entire lives for 40 years and then retire when they're too old to really enjoy their best years. Right. But I think it also shows how there is a purpose, whether you like it or not, in the work that you do and the career that you have, which is why I think your idea of work-life integration is a good sort of way of saying it. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, I think we wouldn't be nearly as productive. Society wouldn't be able to run if everybody was not working or just relaxing all the time. But conversely, if everybody is working all the time and that's all they are, then they're not going to be happy, right? They need rest and relaxation. So of course, there's that balance or as you say, integration. So I appreciate that it sort of dives into that but also um, getting back to what we were originally talking about, if you were to have a tragedy at home necessarily, you may want to kind of go into work and only be thinking about work. And then when you're back home, that's just that. I mean, people just have different reasons for doing it. So it might behoove a small population, but maybe not the larger population. Ultimately, it's a choice that's given to you if you want to work at the specific place. So, yeah, I yeah. like, you know, I'll just recap what I said last week. I do think because, well, very briefly, I just think that so much of who we are and what we bring to a work environment is what we do outside of that work environment. Yeah. And those are the things where we find commonalities with people. And I think a lot of friendships are formed because people find things in common in the workplace that they have with people outside of their lives. So, you know, I, I'm, it's a fictional TV show, so I'm not going to get you know too um, uh, upset or disappointed in or frustrated with it. That's the word. Um, I, I like this. I want to know from you what is the genre of this? Is it is it potentially horror? It's suspenseful. It's a drama. It's could be can it could be a comedy, uh, black comedy at you know at certain points too. So what do you what's the genre of this for you, Noah? Oh man, I would say probably satirical drama to yeah. an extent. Uh, because there are elements of comedy, but it's very dark humor, I would say. Um, and obviously, it's a drama because there's a bigger mystery going on. I yeah, don't think it's scary. 
I don't think it's scary necessarily. So it's not quite a thriller or horror, of course, but it's almost, some of it is almost dystopian, right? Some of it's a little bit too. um, A lot of it is dystopian. And oh yeah, we'll dive into it in just a second, but I think there's a lot of um, uh, plasticity involved in this. Uh It's kind of creepy and, Uh you know, just faux, a faux sense of what you're doing. So uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of a mystery too. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah, you know, mystery, sure. drama, satire, something. Like, yeah, at this point, we have no idea what's happening. Absolutely. All right. Uh, cool. So that is our general thoughts, uh, our overview. Um, you thought the episode was fine. You're glad that you watched the first one because it kind of gave you a reason to continue with the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually like the second episode better than the first, and I thought it moved the series along in an interesting enough way that Grace and I are going to watch season uh, episode three tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your mom and I are probably going to watch episode three this weekend. Cool, cool. Um, well, next weekend or this weekend? Oh, okay. This well, this Saturday, weekend's almost we're recording over. on Saturday. We could do another episode. That's right. Yeah. Uh, today is today Saturday, though. Y- yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Sorry, I'm all scrambled. Um, anyway. Um, all right. So we're going to move right into spoilers. You know the deal. Okay. I know the deal too. So this, I think this episode really dove into this faux corporate optimism that people have and how fake, you know, your attitudes can be necessarily. It's about extreme compliance. And if you kind of step out, it's because some of the characters just don't act like humans. They act like robots, right? They're supposed oh, to be, yeah. they're supposed to be happy. They're supposed to be doing exactly what they're told without any real outside thought. And, um, you know, that leader, what's his name? Milchek or something. Um, yeah, he, I mean, he quickly established himself as quite the, um, it, I mean, quite the character he was, you know, he was leading a lot, um, in this one. And he just, I mean, he just creeped me out Uh, the way he just, his smile, his vocabulary, it's all very, I'd say performative, but also meticulous and really on a specific agenda that you're not supposed to go outside of and it seems like he's looking for things and people that could be potential red flags so he has this smile about him but this darkness underneath him i would say and i I think that kind of goes for the rest of the show there's this exterior when you're at luma it's clean you know it's very minimalistic um it's supposed to be pleasing uh, but at the same time, it's, you know, something where you can't really make mistakes and you're left in the dark as to what people's motivations really are. Cause they don't really even truly know what they they're doing. No. They, know their, they know their function and task, but it's, I mean, they only know a bit about their department and apparently Lumen, this giant corporation is huge, has tons and tons and tons of departments, um, and we've seen what can happen when people step out of line. I mean, two characters really got chastised in this one. Yeah, that was really interesting. So let me just say this, since we're on to spoilers now. As um, um, bizarre, it might be an unusual word to use for this, but as, um, as uh, unusual as this show presents itself at this point in time, which I like, by the way. I mean, I, I don't want to, you know, convey that I don't, I'm not enjoying this. It's just different. And I'm anxious to see sort of what this is all about. But given how unusual the show is, 
how surprised were you on a scale of one to 10 that Christopher Walken shows up? Um, <laughs> I saw him and I was just like, oh my gosh, that's Christopher Walken. And Grace was like, yeah, I recognize that guy. Like, you know, what else is he in? Um, Your mom's and, like, uh, is that Christopher Walken? I'm like, yep, of course it is. Yeah, he shows up in a lot of weird things. That's for sure. Um, but he's, I mean, I don't, I don't know if he's going to have a more significant role, but I mean, he was there in a little bit of a small cameo i suppose yeah Yeah. but i think that was i think that was probably intentional so that people would have the exact same reaction as us but um what did you think of what did you think of the break room and then also the um what's the what's the other one uh where they were having their medical checkup or something like that and um the old the older guy uh when he goes to he goes to like his wellness check and she starts reading all of those positive things about his Audi that he's supposed to listen to, but not enjoy more than, you know, he's not supposed to enjoy one statement more than the other. What'd you think about that? I loved that. I thought it was really fascinating because, you know, you get the idea that the break room is somewhere where you go when you're being punished essentially. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so, but it, it doesn't give off this um, sense of this dire sense of, fear or or terror it, it just you know he's asked to sit down and then a, a very calm person sits down and and just offers to share with him uh attributes of who he is outside of lumen yeah and the very moment and it happens twice that he um is pleased with one of them more than another he gets chastised for it yeah uh, yeah and then they're like, you know, 10 points have been deducted. And he's like, points? What are you talking about? And we don't, we still don't know what the points are about, right? But we right. get the sense that we get the sense that he is in trouble. And the more he does that, the, the greater the trouble becomes. Well, the show is really drip feeding us uh, this sense of, you know, small extra details. And you're like, oh, what's going on here? And I think there's a certain level of ambiguity that we're never going to get beyond. But obviously, more answers are going to come. As... What was it that he did? I've forgotten what he did to get in the break room. So he was typing on his computer and then he just started seeing black goo. Oh, I think it's because he was starting to fall asleep. I think that was it. And they also mentioned previously that he had been chastised before for dozing off. Right. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So he was um, clearly something, uh, he was unwell with something, but um, it's. I will say this. I think this, this show is extremely well acted. Um, and I think the character played or the character of Heli uh-huh. is really unsung. Yeah. To an extent, she's definitely to this, but yeah, go ahead. She's definitely going to be one of those characters that disappears halfway through the show or makes it all the way through and ends up being the deciding factor and what consequence happens. Uh, I hope it's the latter because I like her and the finale. Yeah, but it's interesting because it seems like everybody else has kind of become um, compliant with everything, but she very much seems to be the one who is going to be the fire starter and the one who is not really glad you said that yeah because there are things that she says that i think to myself okay she's new to Mm -hmm. you know being severed but she seems much more self not self but much more aware Mm -hmm. of things than the others but that could be because she's new to this and she isn't um to your I guess using your word compliant necessarily. She's not resigned to the fact that this is this is what it is, right? Oh yeah, she tried quitting on her first day too. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. So that'll be, um, that'll be fascinating to see how that develops. And of course, uh, Ben Wyatt's character, um, not Ben Wyatt, um, Ben Wyatt, Ben really? Wyatt in Parks and Rec. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, Adam Scott's character, uh, he, uh, he and his old friend Petey, who was fired apparently, you know, without cause, um, that seems to be an interesting development where um, he sees him on the outside and PD's basically this rogue saying, Oh, Lumen's doing all this to us. And I've got a recording here for you to listen to, you know, it's, it's, I want to see how that develops a little bit more. I think I'm most interested in Mrs. Selwig and, um, you know, Patricia Arquette playing both his neighbor and boss. Yeah. I wonder if, I wonder how much she knows and how much she's sort of um, because sometimes it seems like she it knows exactly what she's doing. At other times, it seems like she's kind of aloof to her personality inside and outside, but two very different people completely. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So uh, it, it makes me wonder what's in store. There's definitely a greater plan, a master scheme, if you will, that I feel like we're not seeing, but we're obviously getting a small bit of information and We're each, building toward that. Yeah, in each episode. So on a one to five uh, Z scale, what would you give this episode? Okay, so I gave the first episode three Zs. Okay, I'd probably give it two. Okay, yeah. I'm going to flip. I'm giving this one two. I would give this one three and a half. I actually quite enjoyed it. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was good. Uh, you want to talk about the final scene real quick? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we mentioned, we mentioned Petey, who is... Um, the former best friend of the main character and he has been unsevered basically he's gone fired um and there's he's just essentially living in a greenhouse just in the cold alone and with i guess more information on lumen this company and what severance really does to you and what they're actually doing than obviously the average person and uh, so he wants to share that with the main character because, I mean, he says something really nefarious is going on. That's what we're hinting at here. And then at the end of the episode, of course, you know, you see him have sickness and he's, I mean, pretty much out for the count um, by the time the episode ends. So I'm guessing the chip that they put in his brain has something to do with that. And perhaps this whole reintegration sickness might be a thing where, they get rid of you eventually you think you might be outside and okay once you get fired but i mean you're pretty much doomed because you're not really supposed to know what's going on inside there right so that's my take on it all so i want to see where that goes yeah me too and i appreciate you um i'm that's why i asked you because i watched that scene a couple of times um i believe your mom had fallen asleep um, by that point, but I wanted to uh, just sort of make sure that I was following it. And and that's sort of how I took it was that he was sort of uh, the, the being unsevered mm-hmm. was being compromised. Yeah. So, we'll see. Absolutely. Um, well, it was pretty graphic to see those chips get put in the back. Yes, it was. There stuff. were many times your mom and I were like, Oh no. That, yeah, that's Grace gross. had to, Grace had to do eyes and ears for that one where she had to uh, <laughs> close her eyes and yeah. cover her ears. Cause uh, yeah, I mean, that was surprisingly graphic and a show that um, doesn't really seem to be that intense with anything yet. So yeah. right, was, yeah, it was uh, 
some uh, some uh, tough, disturbing images to see if you're sensitive to that. Right. But um, okay, so we've rated the episode. Let's move into check it out. What do you have for this week? I'm trying to decide if I want to share a book or a movie. You tell me what you want to hear about. How about a book? Because okay. I feel like we are doing a lot of movies, obviously. We are, except for this particular series of um, episodes because we're doing a TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Michael, we will be back with movies. Don't worry. But anyway, my book is called, and I hope I haven't named this before in um, another pod, uh, check it out section. It's called Disney Wars. Disney and Wars. it is a book that chronicles the, um, I don't want to say the rise and fall of Michael Eisner as CEO of Walt Disney and his relationship, tumultuous, by the way, with Jeffrey Katzenberg, um, who basically resurrected the Disney studio, especially the animation area, like from 1989, The Little Mermaid up isn't, through. Isn't Jeffrey Katzenberg the guy who is head of DreamWorks Studios and also tried to launch Quibi? I don't know if he did Quibi. I think he was a major. always seemed like a better idea than he. I think he was like a major shareholder or major investor in Quibi and he and maybe a couple other big executives were the ones trying to get it off into the yeah. stratosphere. Let's but. just say um, there's no love lost between Michael Eisner and Jeffrey Katzenberg and Jeffrey Katzenberg is one of the three in DreamWorks SKG. SKG stands for Spielberg, Spielberg, Katzenberg and Geffen as in huh. David Geffen. Yeah. No so, kidding. Um, and I remember when they launched in the mid nineties. So uh, anyway, it's really interesting. I think, uh, you know, it's a 25 hour long book on audible. I think I'm on hour five and um, <laughs> it, it, it sort of just sort of chronicles, you know, the rise and fall to some extent. I said, I didn't want to necessarily use that phrase, but it talks about, it gives you a glimpse into the business of Disney and really the entertainment industry in general, because, you know, we all think of these things as, oh my gosh, you know, the Lion King was so great or Aladdin was so great, but it's really, you know, it goes from the Disney celebrating like a hundred years too, but the sort of the rise and fall of, or the ebb and flow of the tide that is Disney from animation strength to their losses in animation to the resurgence of animation and how they were able to take um, a, a division that was floundering uh, and and create you know something special out of it. So anyway, it's really interesting. I think it's going to be it, it, ultimately. I think it comes down to the very bitter legal battle between Katzenberg and um, Eisner, and we'll we'll find out more. Yeah, that's that stuff is right in my wheelhouse. I yeah. mean, that's the stuff that really fascinates me because if I remember correctly, I think Disney was like the pioneer of animation and yes. at, at the intersection of Technicolor and animation as legitimate entertainment. And then maybe for a while, you know, with a few hits here and there, they were middling maybe in the seventies and then in the eighties, they had all of those crazy hits and then early nineties as well with Aladdin and Lion King. And then maybe, you know, they didn't, I, they certainly re- relied less on 2d animation and uh then they had pixar which yeah. i don't think was owned by disney until what 2006 or so well no it was uh, longer ago than that because um uh toy story well you're right pixar existed outside of disney but that was what was interesting about it too is it's really all about the acquisition and the construction of the acquisition of you know different abc the acquisition of pixar the construction of what was euro disney which became you know um Disneyland Paris. Um, so yeah, it it was really in the back and forth because yeah. I remember it was 
you know, Shrek was the answer to all, you know, Disney's heartwarming family centered stuff. It was funny. It was appropriate for kids, but also entertaining for adults. Like, well, that's kind of where we are too in this story now, because when Katzenberg left and started um, DreamWorks, they went into the animation division to compete directly with Disney. And then of course, I mean, Eisner and Katzenberg, there was no love lost, as I've said, and that just incensed Michael Eisner. So that's where we are now. At least this is according to the story, which is you know factually based. So who's the now CEO of Disney? When when did Eisner? Um, um, Bob Iger is the either the CFO or the CEO. I, I'm not. I sure. think he's the CEO, and yeah. he's been around for at least ten years, probably. Yeah, and I've met uh, you know I've met Bob Iger. Yeah, which is super cool. I gotta say, and he was great. You met Steve Carell too, as well, right? I did meet Steve Carell. Yes. Very cool. All right. Um, so moving on to mine, because we have eight minutes left. Um, there is, which we're not going to fill, obviously, unless I just keep talking like this. Uh, <laughs> I went to go see a movie last night. Um, so a friend of mine, uh, a friend of mine and I, we go see movies pretty often. And you always see trailers, you know, they last for like 20 minutes and a way lot too of long. They're way too long. You see pretty much everything out of the movie. And oftentimes you're just kind of like, well, none of those look good. So I, none of the trailers necessarily caught my eye, but my buddy uh, texted me the other day and he says, do you want to go see Barbarian? And I said, which movie is that? And he said, it's the one with the guy who plays Pennywise. And I'm like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Bill Skarsgård and, um, you know, a few other actors are in it. And it's this horror movie where the trailer sets up an idea of the movie. And it is entirely different than what you're going to expect. Um, I can't, it, it hasn't been 24 hours since I've watched this. And Grace, my buddy, uh, Aaron and I have had our talks about it but i'm still not entirely quite sure how to feel about it but i think barbarian is 2022's malignant it is a wild movie that just completely turns over your expectations there are twists and turns everywhere and um you know if you're a horror fan i I say you should probably check this out i don't think you'd like it but at the same time it is it's different I mean, this is one of those ones where you are misled by a lot of things. And I appreciated that. And there's a lot of uniqueness to the film. Um, So without going too far into it, if you like trailers, watch the trailer. But if you don't, you're in for a pretty wild ride here. Um, So if you like horror movies and you'll see your interest has been uh, piqued, then go see this. It's in the theater. And uh, I'm still not entirely sure how I feel about it, but it was a pretty, uh, pretty wild ride. So that's a bar. My interest is I've never, I've never even heard of it, but I'm going to go watch the trailer on YouTube. Well, you know, I forgot that we had seen this trailer. I didn't even know this movie wasn't even on my radar. And then, you know, my buddy jogged my memory by giving me an actor and I was like, Oh, that's right. That's right. Something I just, it, it was that under the radar for me. So, um, this is a crazy this is definitely a crazy one it's not your average horror movie that's for sure um but yeah that is my check it out if you are so interested so yeah i am so interested all right cool um if uh do you have anything else please like us on (laughs) the podcast distribute 
of your choice. <laughs> that sounded uh, pretty desperate there, honestly. I'm going to edit that out and say, here, let's give a pause. Okay. If you like what you're listening to, please give us a five-star review. It definitely helps when we get your feedback and we really like to see if what we're doing works. So if you have any feedback for us, whether it's just uh, writing a five-star review or just simply doing five stars on any of the platforms that you listen to us on, you know, give us some feedback. We'd love to see it. And it's always nice to be able to know that, you know, we're impacting some people's days positively with the stuff that we're talking about. And if some of that feedback suggests that we should promote this podcast in new and different ways, please give us that feedback. Well, I just, the- uh, I just spent a hundred dollars on a new Canvas subscription and I got my laptop back. So there really oh, is right. no point in not doing this. <laughs> so, there you go. Good. Battery replaced, Canva renewed, and um, you know, just there's a huge future ahead of us in terms of marketing <laughs> these episodes. It's all about opportunity, Noah. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, next week is uh, Severance episode three, right? Yes, Severance episode three. That's going to be next week. Um, And um, I think that we, I have a couple ideas in the pipeline that you might like that are not entirely just TV show or movie related. We do. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for that. All right. But with that in mind, uh, thank you for listening to another episode of ZZ Talk. I'm Noah. I am Greg. And this is ZZ Talk.